Hello, everybody. This is Justin with Mysterious Circumstances Podcast, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Mr. Terry Hobbs with me, who is, as a lot of you true crime geeks know, is involved in the West Memphis 3 case. And I got to give a huge shout out for Allison, who arranged this. I appreciate it, Allison. Terry, how are you doing this evening? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I'm sitting in my man cave. That is something that I have built in my own home, and I'm kind of enjoying it. Just excited about this uh, interview. Yeah, and I'm excited too. And you know, me and you were talking a little bit before recording and stuff, and I'm eager to hear your side of the story and everything. But uh, like I did mention, I want my listeners to get to know you a little better. So if you wouldn't mind. If you would like to talk about your um, childhood, how was your upbringing? Well, I come out of a home of six. My dad was an apostolic Pentecost preacher, and he built home missions and uh, pastored churches. And, and we grew up in a, a preacher's home. And he later ventured out into the business world where he opened uh, grocery stores slaughterhouses. He ended up with 32 catfish restaurants. And that's how we made our living growing up. And we wouldn't trade it for the world. Were you considered a troublemaker as a child? Were you a pretty good kid? Well, I was just one of four kids. I had two brothers and a sister. And no, we wasn't troublemakers. We, you know, we was churchgoers growing up and you know, you turn into your teens and you decide to leave home and get out here and venture on your own. So, no, we wasn't labeled troublemakers. Good deal. So, if you don't mind me asking, when everything involving the case first started, I don't want to say, you know, what was what was your timeline. It's very well documented, your timeline is. What was your initial reaction i mean obviously anger sadness what was going through your head when all this went down well you know at first we didn't know what was what happened what was going on you know i come home from work uh, one my little daughter's in the bedroom step stevie's out riding his bicycle with his friends and you know we just i guess we just thought you know, they'll be home here in a little bit, like he was told, and never came home. So, you know, as you go about your business, you know, I walk out in the driveway a few times looking to see if I could see him coming down the street or down the sidewalk, and couldn't, didn't see him. And, you know, initially we took Pam to work, you know, went by different places looking on our way to take her to work looking to see if we could see him. And we didn't see him, so, you know, we went ahead and dropped Pam off at work, and on our way back to the house, we'd go by a few more places. You know, we just did this on and on all through the night, you know. i go pick Pam up at closing time, you know, and all during the night, she calls her dad, mom, they come down from Arkansas, and and from Blyville, Arkansas, and, you know, and we pick up a few friends along the way, and 
you know, we just search all through the night. You know, we meet up with the buyers and we meet with Dana, Dana Moore and mm-hmm. we just search all through the night. And we make a few trips down to the police station, you know, seeing this. And we did run across a few officers during the night, you know, and they had one thing to tell us, just go home. If we find them, we'll bring them home. Well, you know, that's to, to us as parents, that wasn't good enough. We would, you know, kids, eight-year-old kids just don't stay out after dark. And so we mm-hmm. we stayed out after dark. We stayed out actually all night looking for them little boys. And, you know, and up until the next morning, why, there was a, a news reporter from uh, Memphis who came over and did an interview and, you know, told what was going on, what the parents were doing. And so that got the attention of the police. That interview got the attention of the police. You know, and, you know, so come search and rescue. Here come police officers from everywhere, you know, to join in and look. And along with us parents, you know, we was still out there looking. And then there was a time when someone had told us they found them. You know, here we are excited. You know, they found them. You know, then we drive over to where we were told that they found them, and it's taped off with crime scene tape. You know, one of the biggest hits in the stomach someone could take is to pull up to a crime scene tape, and there stands officers. And they won't let no one pass the crime scene tape. And right then is when we find out that you know they had been murdered. And right then, I guess, is when shock kind of sets in. You don't know what's going on, what to think. You know. So then we, you know, just do what parents do, follow the system. What were your initial thoughts when? the West Memphis three were arrested for the crime. Was there a lot of mixed emotions? I mean, obviously a lot of anger. Did you know them, you know, from around town or anything? No, didn't know them at all. Just three teenagers and, you know, the punkish look they, they had, you know, the initial thought of how we felt, what we was thinking. It'd been, I'm just estimating, a month, five, six weeks after the crime that they were arrested. We get a call to be in the court the next morning or the few days later when they arraigned them. We was anxious to see who had done this. You know, and of course, on the media, the newspapers, the televisions, you know, they were showing pictures of things and sand brains and, you know, in a state of shock, you don't know what to think. You don't know how to act. You know, and that's what we was living. So we did. We showed up in the courtrooms and, and it was packed out with people from both sides of, the, of this. And you just don't know what to think. One question that's never went away, and that was why. Why would someone do this to three boys, three 
three eight-year-old boys, you know. And that's just, I still think about that today. Why? Why did they do that? There's no reasoning in that. And obviously there's as much as people want to say from what I've noticed doing a true crime podcast and interviewing people, everybody throws around the word closure. And I've never been through what you or anybody else has been through. But I personally believe there's no such thing as closure when it comes down to it, you know. Well, probably not. But for each thing that has happened, you know, there was an arrest, there was a trials, there was the convictions, there was sentencing. That's a form of closure. But there's still that why. You know, that would be another form of closure. You know, and that hasn't been answered. What was your initial opinion of the way the investigation was handled by the police were you and your family satisfied with it or did you think because my personal opinion i don't think the investigation was handled very well there were a lot of things that are convoluted you know the cops seemed to muddy the waters more than they cleared it you know, that's just my personal opinion. Were you happy with the way the investigation was handled initially? Well, once again, you know, we're we're living in shock. And I don't know at what point it set in that this finally actually happened. But I, I ain't kidding you. A person will be in shock for no telling how long until the reality sets in. You know, and that's what we were we were living at the time. Uh, as far as what, how do I feel about the investigation? Uh, I'm satisfied with it. I am not a police officer. I am not an investigator. That to me is left to the people that are have been trained to do this. I have not been, so I don't really have an opinion other than I'm okay with sitting there and. I don't know what all went on. I've heard of some things. I've heard of some people that were being, you know, affected by it, by the investigation. You know, the police officers themselves. You know, this some of them have been devastated and hurt and torn. You know, so I'm not going to stick at anything that they had done. Because I, I just don't feel like I'm the one to do that. That's fair. That's a very fair statement. When the investigation started turning and, well, when more people, because this was a highly publicized case and it was more publicized than a lot of cases out there. So with the publicity and everything like that, when people started bringing you into the spotlight as a suspect, how did that make you feel? Well, it just tore me up. You know, I couldn't believe it. Now, you have to remember this. Let's back up a little bit. Back during the trials, just because Mark had get Mark Byers, one of the other dads, had give a pocket mm-hmm. knife to one of the film producers. Well, they claimed yes. there was blood on it. Okay. Well, now, mm-hmm. he went through the same thing that I'm doing, you know, like they're doing to me. And I have spoke on his behalf. 
because Mark was with us the night that uh, May the fifth and May, the morning May the sixth that we was out in the woods, out and about, driving all around. Mark and Melissa was with us also, you know, in their vehicles out riding around. We'd see them there once in a while. And we was all doing the same thing, looking for our boys. Okay, now when when they started pointing the finger at me, well, that didn't mean nothing to me. Sure, it devastated my life because I wasn't expecting that. You know, here I am doing what a parent is supposed to do back in 93, and that's look for your children. And then all of a sudden, you know, this man comes along, and this man who started this, was his name is Ron Lax. Okay, now he was one of the, the lead investigators for the defense. Okay, Ron Lax died of brain mm-hmm. cancer a few years ago. Okay, Ron Lax invited me to come down to his office. And prior to that, he was passing the word around my neighborhood. You're living next to a child killer. My neighbors was coming over and asking me this. Uh, he was coming to my home, picking up cigarette butts out of my front yard, out of my house. I let him in the house one time. And so I didn't know, you know, everything that he was up to, but I, I called him pretty quick. So I go down to visit him. I was full of anger, man. I was mad that this guy was doing me like this. So I go down to visit him, and he steps up, and because I won't give him some DNA, he steps up, and I'm getting ready to walk out the door. You know, I, I wasn't going to sit there and put myself through his crap. I got up, I headed to the door. I just walked off and left him. And he yelled at me. He said, Hobbs, what you going to do when I sick the dogs on you? From that point on in this, and that happened around 2005, 6, 7. But 2007 is when my name hit the airways. You know, Hobbs is, Hobbs that. You know, and it was all a bunch of hogwash. That's what we call it down here. Something ain't right, it's hogwash. I still know that it's not right, and but still, you know, the attacks are continuing. So, uh, you don't expect anything out of these people. So, I got to give a huge shout out to this episode's sponsor. It is sponsored by Shudder.com, S-H-U-D-D-E-R. And for those of you familiar... I've heard a lot of people, I've advertised for them before, they've sponsored an episode previously. It's from AMC Network, it's a premium streaming video service, super serving fans of all degrees with the best selection of horror and thrillers. Shudder's irrepressible and thriving community revels in all things provocative, evocative, and dangerous. From bantering with Shudder on social media and contributing fantastic, irreverent reviews to relishing in member-only perks such as exclusive releases and VIP movie screenings, Shudder believes there is safety in numbers, so don't be left alone in the dark. Now, a little bit about Shudder. You can stream great thriller movies, horror movies, suspense movies, all for $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year, which, as you know, 
So that is that is a really really good price for a lot of good a lot of good content actually original shows and movies as well shutter is right now the largest fastest growing human curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment and is often referred to as the netflix of horror there are new spine tingling thrillers shocking horrors edge of your seat suspense added every single week You'll have unlimited access to stream ad-free on all your favorite devices, which, you know, would include iPad, iPhone, Apple TV, Xbox One, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, Android devices. I actually downloaded the app. I'm an Android guy for life. I downloaded the Shutter app. I watch it all the time, and this is not just, this is why this is like the best sponsor, because I actually watch Shutter when I have free time and when I go to bed and stuff like that. So this is like, you know, all bullshit aside, I kind of am trying to sell you something, okay? But at the end of the day, this is actually something that I endorse because I actually enjoy it. Like, I watch the shows on here. So, um, you know, Shudder definitely has a unique collection of exclusive and original films and series. And it also has, like, all the old horror classics, you know, and even, you know, the big blockbuster hits as well. You know, I can't stress enough, one of my personal favorite shows on there is called The Discovery of Witches. It's an original Shudder show. It is really, really good, and everybody who's watched it has actually gotten into it pretty well. It's it's really awesome. When you do use this promo code, uh, you definitely want to check that out. I highly suggest it. Now, you can try Shudder free for 30 days. Just go to Shudder.com, that's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com, and use the promo code MCPODCAST. You can check out anything right now that's, uh, you know, Shudder original movie called Dead Wax. You know, that's, uh, you have the Shudder original documentary called Horror Noir. You know, you have, uh, Shudder exclusive Lizzie. You have the old, uh, movie called Mandy starring Nicolas Cage. Like I had said, you know, A Discovery of Witches. Super awesome TV show. Uh, they also have, uh, a Shudder exclusive called Stanley's Lucky Man. You know, they have The Puppet Master. Upcoming re- new releases are Bore. It hits Shudder on June 6th, which is a Shudder exclusive. It already hit. You know, The Night Shifter was added. The Ranger was added on 5-9, which is a su- Shudder original. Uh, the Night Shifter is actually a Shudder original as well. And I mean, you got, you know, horror comedies. You got classic slasher movies. Like, it's all there in one spot for five ninety nine a month, but... If you don't believe me, you can try it free for 30 days if you go to Shudder.com, which is S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com, use the promo code MCPODCAST, and enjoy. And we talked before recording, you get a lot of messages, a lot of hate mail, don't you? I do. My, my computer is full people who will get a hold of me and tell me, I just watched the West of Memphis. How could you? You know, and they start rambling off stuff that don't mean nothing to me, but they did it because they're watching these documentaries. What is it? Uh, three, four, four or five documentaries, a Hollywood yeah. movie. You know, and people buy into this just because it's Hollywood said so. Yeah, and I've seen on several documentaries, especially involving true crime, 
that it's, you know, unfortunately, as much as I hate to say it, it's a business at some point. So they're going to create something that fits the most convoluted theories. And this isn't every time, you know, but this is sometimes it's got to sell. It's got to make money. And that's an unfortunate thing. I've seen it, like I said, on a couple documentaries. And, you know, when Paradise Lost came out and stuff like that, the very first couple documentaries, I mean, people really, really got it. There's a lot of attention on this case all over again. And then the West of Memphis and all that and all that stuff. And it's it's weird because a lot of these documentaries to me personally are biased and like I said, that's, you know, my personal opinion, but you see that a lot of times they omit facts. They leave stuff out because it makes for a more compelling documentary, unfortunately. And there are people who do suffer from that. And again, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. You know, me and you were talking before the call, you know, I'm not here to accuse anybody of anything, But I think your story is one of the few that hasn't been able to be told in your words. Again, like we were talking previously before recording. um, Every time I've tried to say something, Justin, you know, I'm like an attorney friend of mine told me, he said, Terry, everything or anything and everything that you say, they're going to take it and turn it around and use it against you. Every interview, 48 hours. Uh, the HBO documentaries, I wouldn't do one with the West of Memphis. You know, Amy Bird, she tried to, you know, she tried to get me to do it, and I wouldn't. You know, these guys wouldn't, wasn't fair about it. None of them have been. You know, I, I, that's why I don't talk to them. I don't have to. I don't owe them nothing. You know, and, and because I don't talk to them, they'll hate on you. Exactly, and that's... One thing I wanted to bring up too, like it got to a certain point where you just said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not talking to anybody anymore because no matter what I say, somebody's going to twist it around and I'm just done. I think a lot of us can, can understand, you know, where you're coming from with that. I mean, literally they hang on every single word that you say, you know, because yeah. they're, they're sitting there analyzing it and they're comparing it to things that you said, you know, 25 years ago. And Some of these games, you know, I just don't play, and I'm, I'm not sorry about it. I'm just mad enough to step up and say I don't play games. Yeah, and that's probably, you know, why you haven't really talked to anybody, you know, over the lately. It gets to a certain point, and it's, the sad thing is, is it's a lose-lose because if you don't do the documentary or you don't do the interview, then all of a sudden you're being quiet and people look at that as in somehow as an admission of guilt. It's just a double-edged sword. Do you it's, know what I do? I live. What you do? I enjoy yeah. my life. I have a, a cool life and I get out here and I enjoy it every day, you know, and, and at, the, at the same time, you know, we, we have three little boys that people have forgot about. You know, and this exactly. parent hasn't forgot. You know, I'm the one who goes out here every year, and I do a, a more memorial for them at the Reading Grove, uh, at the 
uh, Weaver Elementary School in West Memphis that was built for them. I go every year, and you wouldn't believe some of the people that fly in, you know, from around the country, you know, just to be there. And it, it really, you know, it makes it makes you feel good, you know, that some people haven't forgot. Some people show up with their support, and we all end up going out and having supper after, the you know, we've had vigils, and we've had uh, balloons, uh, let balloons go up, you know, and we do all kind of things over there, but we do it every year on the anniversary. That's nice. That is actually a very nice way to to remember them. Um, and one of the questions from my listeners actually was in regards to Stevie. What was one of your fondest memories of him? His haircut. <laughs> <laughs> His haircut, uh, he he liked it spiked. He'd run his hands through it. You know, we took him down to the barber shop, and the, he, the barber asked asked us how you want it cut, and he spoke to me. He said, "I want it spiked," <laughs> so we didn't have to say nothing. And he spiked it up there pretty cool, and looked neat on him. And and actually, you know, I've got pictures of us having good times. I've got a lot of memories, and I write about it. And like mm-hmm. like to I put it in a box, and yeah. I have all kind of things in that box. That's awesome, though. That really is. Going back to the case, what was your initial thoughts and feelings when the appeal process started going through in about uh, 2010 or so? Well, I kind of think that. Now, this is just how I, I think. I think, the, you know, they kept coming up with all this so-called new evidence, and there mm-hmm. wasn't any. You know, and, and some of us knew that. I, then, if you'll remember, one day they approached the Arkansas Supreme Court with a, we want, we're, we want a new evidential hearing. Well, you know, I would think that that would plant the seed in one, some of them justices' mind that they had some new evidence, okay? And knowing the whole time they didn't. But anyway, they were granted a new evidential hearing, and we was looking forward to this. You know, us, the parents, was looking, we wanted to see what new evidence that you got. You know, and guess what? They didn't have any. And then they copped out with this Alfred plea. Yeah, that's why I think of it. They didn't, to me, they lied to the Supreme Court claiming they had new evidence. Now, I don't know how come they hadn't, this hadn't been addressed. I don't know how come it hadn't. You don't pull them from the, you know, up in the Supreme Court and say, hey, I got some new evidence. Give me a hearing. And then they give you one and you not go through with it. Do you think that in the future with DNA technology, just being so much more advanced every single year. Do you have any thoughts on that, possibly? Actually, I talked with a young man who claims that there's a new water that has a name to it. I'm not sure of the name, but it's a water-based DNA, some kind of form of DNA testing. Mm-hmm. Where now they're wanting to now check this out. They're wanting to take the shoestrings where the knots was tied, 
I'm piling yes. this water, and voila, you know, there falls the DNA. So he mm-hmm. claims. Now, when he told me this, I said, good. I said, this is, that'll put this case to rest. He looked at me kind of bump puzzled. What do you mean? I said, because, yeah, you know, you're going to have their DNA for sure. Who's DNA? Jason, Jesse's, and Damon. That's just how I feel. <laughs> well, sometimes people don't like don't like hearing certain things, you know, because it doesn't because it doesn't match their view or their opinion, you know. So, mm-hmm. where are you now? What are you up to now? And um, has there been any other new breaking news on the case? And just uh, how are you handling that? Well, there's no breaking news, and I have moved on with my life. I have divorced Pam, Stevie's mom, Mm -hmm. Amanda's mom. I had to divorce her and get away from that. And actually, in doing so, I got custody of my daughter in the divorce, and I have raised that girl ever since, and she's 30 years old today. And And you guys still have a good relationship? The man, my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's daddy's girl, and, and I'm uh, daughter's daddy. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> she loves that's me. That's awesome. Do you I'm... still know? And that's that's great. And that's that's something that people probably didn't know about you. And one of the many reasons I wanted to uh, to do this interview. Do you still talk to David Jacoby at all? David Jacoby. I haven't spoke with him. You know, and I've had somebody come along and tell me that David really, you know, I can't speak for David, but yeah, I've heard sure. some things about him that, you know, he's regretting on what he did. And I'm not, I know why he did what he did. Uh, the John Douglas crew kind of intimidated David, you know, and he didn't know which way to go. You know, so he'd come over and talk to me, and I said, what, what are you doing? You know, why? Why are you afraid of him? I spoke with John Douglas twice. First time, it seemed like he was a pretty level-headed dude. Second time, him and that attorney friend he was with with his two donkeys. You know, I got up and walked out. And they come out there yelling at me, get back in here. I didn't have to play their game. They're playing games. You know, he's supposed to be a profiler. You know, and I don't play like that. And they was always trying to do was play games, intimidate you. And it didn't work on me. It worked on David. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure David regrets every minute of it. Again, like me and you had talked previously, there's, a, you know, a couple projects in the works to cover the West Memphis Three again. You know, whether it be TV or, you know, whether it is new true crime podcasts that come out that always, you know, go back to this case just because of everything involved and the fact that there are, you know, several, several suspects. And again, personally, I don't think all the suspects were vetted properly, but at the same time, what are your thoughts on some of the newer things going on with the case, whether it be TV projects or, or other projects like that. Yeah, I can't say you know what's going on. I yeah, I hear I, and I talk to people who knows, 
And, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. You know, I can't stop that. And they're going to hate on me. I've already been told. I can't stop that. The one thing I can do is continue living my life. I do. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So you recently had your memoirs published. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and why you decided to do that? I did. Uh, in April of this year, we released our book, Box Full of Nightmares. It's my personal memoirs on the West Memphis Street case. And what I have done, you know, I've watched things all through the years. I've cut out every newspaper uh, article I could find and I put it in a box. That's where the box full comes from. And I would journal, and everybody's known for years I've kept the journal. I would journal things and put it in that box. And I thought one day that, you know, something would happen where I could put this into a story. And so I sat down and wrote story after story, trying to put it into a book form. And I was approached by my cousin, Vicki Edwards. She is the author of this book. You know, she she has the education to back up this book. And I had the story to write this book. So together, we put this in form and made it uh, available on Amazon. And Mm -hmm. it's a story that is really, really truthful and really cool and really neat. What's the title of the book for for people who want to find it? Uh, Box Full of Nightmares, Terry Hobbs' Personal Memoirs on the West Memphis Three Murders. And actually, you have done me a huge solid. You signed a copy of this book for me to do a giveaway to my listeners because of this interview. And for that, sir, I thank you for that. That that was a big, uh, as we say up here, big tip of the hat, you know? Well, I was, I was you know, honored to do that because everyone who reads this book that they don't they don't read it just once, you know. I check this out. Uh, to this very day, this morning, I'm out here pouring a concrete slab in my shed. Okay, my neighbor comes over next door and he says, "Mr. Hobbs, can I ask you something?" I said, "Sure." We talk a few minutes, and he says, uh, "His wife and his sister's in-law bought a couple books." And they want to know if you'd autograph it for them. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> I said, well, sure. You know, but, and to do this for you and your listeners, you know, we're just, you know, getting the word out. There has been a lot of behind the scene things happen that people didn't know about. You know, in the book, you're going to see some of them. And in the book, you're going to see how people will attack and continuously attack someone. You know, and, and sadly, I'm the one that they've been attacking. You know, and, and for whatever reason, you know, they might get a thrill out of doing it. You know, it causes problems. Okay, so over the years, I, and I have documented it. I did this, you know, to show readers that you, in, if you are attacked in your life, you know, you can overcome it. And I have. I've I've been full of anger 
over certain things because of this case. You know, and it got to the place where I had to make my way to an altar and say, here you go, good Lord. You know, this is bigger than me. And, you know, I left it at the altar. Leaving it there enabled me to live and enjoy my life. You know, so here I am out here today doing what I'm doing, you know, enjoying myself living. And I want your readers, and especially the one that gets the book, knowing that that's from my heart. I appreciate you. That is outstanding. That is outstanding. And I guess before, you know, we close out the interview, um, I would appreciate your personal thoughts. Is there a message that you want to send? Because people all over the world are going to hear this interview. Is there a message that you want to send to people who specifically think that you are involved or have that cast of doubt in their mind that are like, this guy has to be involved somehow. Evidence wise, do you kind of see why people might think you are involved? The only thing I see is a defense team full of tricks, tactics, and that's what defense teams do. You know, that's and true. if you have any knowledge of cases and how defense teams work, well, they do it. Look what they did to OJ. That dude whacked them two people, and they come in there and slit and slick them right out of it. You know, and, <laughs> oh, I know, and that's what they're doing in our case. Just because a defense team or anybody else out there, a documentary, a producer, uh, Hollywood, Peter Jackson, you know, just because they say something, they don't make it gospel. You know, I believe in telling the truth. Now, here's some, here's a bit of truth. For all you, all your listeners all around the world, no, I had nothing to do with this. I, my home has been devastated because of this. Our, our lives have been changed because of this. Three boys were tried, convicted, and sentenced. And uh, until there come along these slick defense in, in investigators and attorneys, you know, mm-hmm. they got these boys out of prison. You know, money, money. Uh, my book says the love of money is the root of all evil. It you truly know, I is. Like yeah. yeah, I I, like I, can, I can agree with that. For all the listeners on a personal level, and like, again, referring to me and you talking before recording, I think a lot of people lose sight of the fact that no, no matter what, I think a lot of people forget the fact that Three boys, three young boys, their lives were lost and they're gone forever. No amount of memorials or balloons in the air can ever bring them back. So in closing, if it comes down to to straight, this is the last thing I have to say before I go. What do you have to say about this case? Well, I think the case was solved in 1993, right? Just because everybody jumps out there and says it hasn't been. You know, that's their own personal opinion. In the sight of the law, in the sight of the judicial system, this case is closed. You know, and it's sad that people are still 
bothering us today with their their theories. You know, I don't care about theories. I've seen evidence. I've seen facts. I've heard uh, confessions. You know, there's several of them that Miss Kelly made. You know, and so people don't believe everything you hear. You know, believe. I, there was a point when I had to believe something. I chose to believe the police department, and today I still believe the police department. That is very, very fair, sir. And Terry, I cannot thank you enough. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to talk to me and to tell my listeners your personal thoughts and and your side of some of the events surrounding this case. I can't thank you enough. Justin, I thank you for having me on your your show. And to all the listeners on Amazon, the book Box Full of Nightmares is available. And, you know, pick it up and read it. You know, it's a it's a good story about a man's put to the test, you know, and about one's will to carry on, about one's will to overcome. That's my story. You know, read maybe they'll I help can. Exactly. And hey, you are you are very welcome and you heard it everybody. Box full of nightmares out on Amazon. Go check out his book. It's a side of the story that you've probably never really heard in depth. And it gives a lot of insight to who Terry is and his personal thoughts and what he went through with this case. So please, I will put a link to it in my show notes for this episode. So all you'll have to do is scroll through the episode and you can click on the link and it'll take you right there. If you want to, uh, to check out this book and purchase it. So like I said, I can't appreciate, you know, I, I know you don't talk to, you know, a lot of people regarding the case. So again, sir, thank you very much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good evening. Thank you, sir. You too. Bye-bye.